We can bring you in warm, or we can bring you in cold on this special review episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everybody, I'm Travis, and today I'm joined by... John Dodson. And in this episode, we're reviewing The Mandalorian on Disney+. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. After Star Wars Underworld went nowhere, we thought the dream of a Star Wars TV show may be over. But the new Lucasfilm under Disney has finally delivered. Their first Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, is set after the Rebellion's success in Return of the Jedi, but before the First Order emerged from the Empire's ashes. The series follows a Mandalorian bounty hunter on a job to collect a mysterious bounty, and stars Pedro Pascal in the title role with some fantastic guest stars. So it's kind of hard to talk about this in a spoiler-free way, but John, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? If you haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, you're in for some you're in for a treat because the first 3 episodes of The Mandalorian might as well be a Mandalorian film, I think. It 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 has 3 acts that cover a complete arc and and a complete story and frankly could be a movie. I, I think, um, in fact, when the Mandalorian had its premiere, um, they showed the first three episodes and it makes a lot of sense why it feels like a complete thought. And that thought is something that my wife and I love watching it. I didn't start out loving the show, but by episode three, we are hooked and she's hooked and she is not easy to hook. Right. When we were seeing the the advertisement for the Mandalorian, we saw a lone wolf who's fighting in this dark version of Star Wars and this and that and the other. Uh, And it looked really different. It looked like, wow, this is going to be a dark version of Star Wars and gritty crime. And it's just this lone wolf and that it's not really that. But it is. But it's not. The Mandalorian has way more heart than I thought it would. I thought it was going to be like some sort of Star Wars Breaking Bad without meth, right? Maybe there, maybe he was addicted to gl- like, like um, death sticks or something. I, I don't know. You know, maybe they're going to make death sticks. I, I had no idea. But um, where the show ends up after the first episode, at the end of the first episode, I was, I was like, what? This is what this show is? And uh, yeah, that's what the show is. And it's surprising um it it basically uh just spoiler free it's uh it's even cooler than i thought it was gonna be and i would say that um the show isn't perfect though i it 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 kind of 
struggles a bit with what it is in the first episode. And it's got some goofier elements where just some elements just didn't land with me right away. Um, the show, it's interesting now that we're in full streaming and we don't feel the need or creators don't feel the need as much anymore to be bound by runtime, right? So you make a network show, you have to be bound by runtime. You get an hour or you get 30 minutes and you have to cut it down to allow time for commercials. This show is varies in length from, I don't know, 20 something minutes to 39 minutes per episode. And at some points it feels like it's taking its time and sometimes it feels like it's rushing. Um, I think in general, I think the show could take more time. But then my wife, when I mentioned that to her, be like, I'd like to spend more time with these characters and maybe they could talk a little bit more. She's like, no, I think it's perfect. I I think that's exactly the right runtime. Um, And maybe she's right, because I think leaving people wanting more is probably better. That said, um, I would say the first episode is good, but not my favorite. And then the second episode is just just incredible. The third episode ratchets it up even more than that. Again, there's some clunkier elements here and there. My guess is the reason for that was the pretty tight timeline they had to hit for this. Remember, this is the show for Disney Plus. Like you get in Disney Plus and it might as well be called the Mandalorian app because that's all that they're talking about. You know, um, you can tell that Disney is pushing this show and I, I could see where they may have, you know, gone a little quicker to get the show out. It's not a bad show, but it just feels like they were um, they had a deadline to meet. So I think the second season, you know, hopefully, the, you know, the show is baked a little bit more and it's going to be even better. I imagine just as all the episodes keep getting better and better and better, second season is going to just be phenomenal. Um, and and it's really interesting because I wasn't sure you could do a show where the main character has a mask on the whole time, but it works. You know, there's this scene in the third um, episode, and we'll talk about it in spoilers, where the Mandalorian is thinking about something um, and he's holding something and we'll talk about it later. And you get what he's you get what's going on with his character and he's got a mask on. So what Pedro Pascal and the showrunners did is 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 kind of a magic trick in that it works now it doesn't work for everybody but i think it's it actually works really better than i've ever seen because if you think of successful main characters that have a mask on the entire time they're in any kind of form of television or movie it doesn't exist like you could say v for vendetta but he's not the main character of that movie um it works in that movie, but he's not the main character. Uh, Natalie Portman is. So, um, yeah, I think it works for me. And th- those are my spoiler free thoughts. There's lots more to talk about. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the Pinnacle Disney Plus show. Um, the first little bit isn't perfect, but I I am happy that it's here. And, and hopefully we can talk more. Uh, and spoilers about where I hope that it goes and, you know, the future of Star Wars shows. Yeah, you mentioned that it's like selling it so well that he has a mask on and he's still acting so well through that. And you're right that it landed with V for Vendetta, but 
I'm not sure I've ever seen it land this well. I mean, we've how many total like the total runtime that we have of Darth Vader. I don't think that that ever worked as well as it does with Pedro Pascal and the Mandalorian. Like he sells it so well. And I'm assuming it's not just him and it's the way things are filmed and everything, but you can, he somehow manages to convey facial expression emotions without the facial expressions. And I don't get it. I don't understand how it works, but it works so well. And, um, you mentioned, uh, about like the shorter runtime. And from what I've heard from what I've read, that was a budgetary consideration. They didn't have like a massive budget for it. I'm assuming they'll have a bigger one in season two. And I imagine Disney could have, could have thrown more money at it, but you know, there's, it was kind of a gamble to begin with in a way. I mean, you know, you're going to get a ton of people watching it, but whether people want to stick with it or not is another question. So I guess they didn't want to throw the billions of dollars at it that they'll eventually do (laughs) with, with it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we get some some longer episodes in the future. It, like what you said, I could kind of deal with uh, slower pace in some situations. Not necessarily like slower pace, but some more breathing room for some of the action and getting to know the characters a little bit better. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but Nick Nolte's character. I would love to see more about him. I'm not sure. I have spoken guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure we'll see him again in the series. It seems like that. Well, that might be a little too spoilery. I won't say more about that, but uh, I would love to know more about him. I'd love to know like his take on what's going on. There's clearly some history there that he knows, and I would love to hear more about it. But anyway, I think that it's a surprisingly good show. Um, I had some mixed expectations for it, I guess, going into it. Didn't know what to expect. Uh, I feel like the, there's been some kind of like too much of a focus on how cool Boba Fett is over the years and people clamoring for more Boba Fett. And this kind of felt like it was going to be derivative of that. It's not, it's not, it feels entirely different from anything about Boba Fett, even though it's another bounty hunter with Mandalorian armor. It's, it doesn't feel like it's trying to cater to that. Um, the look of the armor is there. Obviously it's damn cool armor, but that's about it. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, I feel like you should at least go watch the first episode immediately, because if you haven't been spoiled about the big reveal at the end of that, you're going to be because people are talking about it so much. So if you have like any inkling of watching the show, go at least watch the first episode right now to avoid that. But um, yeah, we'll get more into why in the spoiler free section or the spoiler section. But yeah, overall, fantastic show. Uh, really well paced for the most part. Really great character development for the most part. And the score is surprisingly good. Uh, I wasn't sold on it in the first episode, but it really, really grew on me in the next two. Hello, podcast friends. This is John Dotson, host of Cheerful Ghost Radio and the creator of Tale of the White Wyvern. If you listen to this show, you might be a fan of Cheerful Ghost, and maybe you read the articles on our site and have also checked out our new text-based 
adventure mini MMO Tale of the White Wyvern. Cheerful Ghost is a scrappy indie community that makes awesome text games and we'd love any support you can give us. Right now, if you head to Cheerful Ghost and hit the heart button, you have some incredible support options in that you can use to start in that you could donate a few dollars through PayPal. If you wanted to do a bit more, you can buy a Cheerful Ghost membership that gets you some great supporter perks on Cheerful Ghost, as well as unlock some member-only titles and alternative cosmetic weapon, armor, and hat sets in Tale of the White Wyvern, including the coveted horse armor. On top of the ability to donate a few dollars or get a Cheerful Ghost membership, we also have a Tale of the White Wyvern merch store, so you can adorn yourself with the best-looking shirts and mugs from your favorite text adventure mini-MMO. I love the mug and personally use it to use it today to drink some coffee which you know might be the best way to drink coffee might be the best way to drink coffee that was ever invented uh, at least i think so hopefully you do too so we thank you for your support and only want you to donate or become a member or buy merch if you can swing it so don't do anything that puts you in financial trouble friend so thanks again and hopefully we can keep cheerful ghost independent through your continued support All right, John, let's talk about some spoilers. All right, so I'm going to give an overview of the first three episodes, and then we'll just dive in how we want. Sound good? Sure. Cool. All right, so the uh, the beginning of the show starts off with Mando, as the as uh, um, Carl Weathers, or Apollo Creed calls him. And um, uh, he basically is going to get a bounty on a planet, um, gets a bounty, and uh, takes him back to the ship. Um, uh, it's, you know, fun action and stuff happening, uh, goes back, um, Mandalorian gets money, takes half of the money because of the Imperial credits ain't worth shit anymore, apparently in the galaxy, really hard to spend Imperial credits. Uh, yep. And, uh, he takes man, what is it? It's calamari flan, which is hilariously like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like, uh, it's like jelly money or something, which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah. Admiral Akbar's money apparently is made out of like, uh, (laughs) jellyfish material or something, which is hilarious. Um, and he gets a, he gets a new bounty. It's uh, working for, uh, doesn't understand, uh, but it's, uh, deep pockets, so he goes, uh, he taps on a door that uh, where the this thing comes out of the door that's like from Return of the Jedi and uh, Uta Blinky or whatever. It's 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 a really fun moment. And he meets with uh, Warner Herzog, who gives him a mission. And by the way, Warner Herzog in Star Wars, that should have happened. Yeah. Uh, way sooner than that. He is such um, a kind of menacing presence. Like he should have been an imp- like somebody in the Empire for decades at this point. I know, I know. It's like Warner Herzog was meant to be clearly like a, a a film director, but then also just be chewing on scenery in a Star Wars movie too. Uh, so he gives him he gives him this uh, mission and gives him some some armor. You start out, you kind of understand what uh, Mandalorian's armor is made out of. It's made out of um, Beskar steel, and uh, they sort of give you more information that Beskar steel can repel blaster fire. Um, and then the Mandalorian takes the steel back because he gets one piece of steel to start the, the, uh, the mission. He knows that it's a 50 year old person. Uh, he turns the Beskar steel into his, uh, it's a shoulder pad, um, which is incredibly awesome by the way. And you find out that, uh, it's not just one Mandalorian. There's a whole bunch. 
um, as uh, maybe like 20 Mandalorians in a uh, kind of like a guild together. So they're in a, a group together. They're all bounty hunters. Uh, apparently only one can go out at a time. So we've got these weird vampire rules going on or whatever. Are they all bounty and, hunters? I thought it was just him that was a bounty hunter. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. There could be chefs in there, I suppose. So um, maybe some street sweepers, maybe. Um, and so he goes out and uh, to get the bounty and he uh goes down to the planet and these um what are those things called that attack him uh, when he's getting the bounty uh i forget they're called they're the sort mm. of the like the, the like the piranhas with legs i forget what the name of them are. right anyways yeah. they're from the they're hilariously from the ewoks uh films they were in the ewok movies which is where they started and then apparently some of them were also in clone wars and then he meets uh, Nick Nolte's character, Mr. I Have Spoken, who is one of the race of beings from uh, The Empire Strikes Back. So if you remember in The Empire Strikes Back in Cloud City, when uh, Chewbacca is just dumpster diving for fun, because that's what you do when you're a Wookiee, you know what I mean? You you go through uh, all the garbage looking for sweet parts for your ship. Uh, you see R2-D2, or you see C-3PO who's blasted to hell. And these things that are throwing around our, uh, C-3PO's parts are the same race of characters that the Mandalorian meets up with. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They don't talk using, uh, you know, in like a basic or whatever in, in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. But uh, the Mandalorian becomes friends with the dude. Uh, who saves him from the from the uh, the walking piranhas with legs from the Ewoks movie, and you know he he tells him that a lot of people have come through to get the bounty and he's going to help him get there and you need to ride this thing. So uh, the Mandalorian uh, learns how to ride it in this really amazing montage sequence that was kind of awesome and kind of cheesy at the same time, and then they both ride afterwards over the desert to get to the area where the uh, <clears throat> where the bounty is and immediately an IG 11 droid <laughs> comes in on the scene and starts shooting things, which is hilarious. It's this hilarious scene yes. where IG 11 and the Mandalorian work together and IG 11 <laughs> tries to blow himself up <laughs> because apparently IG droids just give up real easy. I know. Um, I loved every, like every time he said initiating self-destruct, like, no, don't, don't initiate self-destruct. And <laughs> right, Taika, right. the IG-11 played by Taika Waititi, which was a brilliant performance. Yeah. Yeah, it was really reserved for him, too. Like, just very, very, very by-the-book droid. Mm-hmm. Not, it's yeah. not really a droid with a whole lot of attitude. There's no, like, rise cracking. It's just really... And the jokes come from him taking things literally or answering things literally. Um, like, you're the first droid I liked, I think is what the Mandalorian said, and IG-11 is like, I agree. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious that he agrees with them because it's like, how would you? It's just funny. It's just, it's really funny. So then they, um, they do overcome a bunch of people in this video game scene where the Mandalorian jumps on this Gatling gun and sort of kills things and not dies. And that's one of the cheesy moments for the show where I'm like, uh, fine. It's Star Wars. Okay, right, sure. That can happen. And he doesn't die, obviously. So, um, then they shoot open the door and then IG 11. And the Mandalorian agreed to split the bounty um, together. If they work together, they do that before that battle. And uh, they find out that the bounty, the 50-year-old person, Travis, what's the bounty? As they approach that 
uh, the where they they have like these little um, homing devices, and as they're walking toward it, they see this little floating sphere. It's a very small sphere, and the Mandalorian says, "I thought this guy was supposed to be fifty or something like that." They go and open it up, and two green ears pop out, and we find out this is a member of Yoda's species who is still quite small. Baby and, Yoda yeah. is what the internet is calling it. Yeah. And the second I saw those Yoda ears, I'm like. Holy shit, baby yeah. Yoda. I mean, I knew it wasn't probably Yoda. Right. But I realized in that moment that this show is going to be totally different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because you real like I realized in that moment, oh, this show's going to be him saving a kid, not badass loner Mandalorian in space bounty hunter guy. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned, like you said the words lone wolf earlier, talking about right. how you thought it was going to be. It's, there's yeah. a movie called a uh, uh, Japanese movie. I think it's a Japanese movie called Lone Wolf and Cub, which is like a people have been making a lot of comparisons to it. Like once he finds baby Yoda, it kind of starts feeling like the movie Lone Wolf and Cub, where it's this samurai who's taking care of a kid. Which they kind of follow the same like breakdown of the trope where you have this badass guy who you know would go on badass adventures but now their stories suddenly change because of the like somebody they have to take care of yeah and so um ig11 wants to kill baby yoda because his mission was to kill him Mm -hmm. um and the mandalorian uh doesn't want to do that because his mission was to bring him back so he kills ig11 uh, which was awesome, but also weird because I thought IG-11 was going to be a bigger part of the show. I know, you think me too. You think in that episode, oh, they're sending it up to IG-11 and the Mandalorian are going to be partners. And I mm-hmm. would have loved that IG-11 and the Mandalorian. It would have been an amazing buddy cop show. <laughs> but that's not what the show is. It like gives you that for a second. And then it's like, nope. Um, and it gives you something different. And, uh, yeah, then episode two rolls around, which was amazing. Essentially it's a Mandalorian taking, um, baby Yoda back to his planet to give to the empire. And, uh, it's a great show. It's basically just a bunch of like bounty hunters trying to collect on the bounty too. Oh, that's a Mandalorian. That's episode three. No, it's two. Where he's going back and people, other bounty hunters try to get him. Remember? Because they're walking through. Oh, the okay. I'm thinking, I was stuff. thinking other bounty hunters trying to get the Mandalorian, not other bounty hunters trying to get Baby Yoda. Gotcha. Never mind. Go well, ahead. technically in three, they're actually trying to get Baby Yoda again. But we'll, let's talk about true, it. Because I thought it was them trying to get the, the Mandalorian, but it actually is the asset. Well, they call it the asset. I think it's we'll kind just, of both at that point because well, let's, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about it. I think it actually is technically uh, baby Yoda or the asset. Okay. So in, in episode two, they come back. Other people have the puck as well. Um, he finds out that there is way more uh, bounty hunters on him and he easily smokes them. I believe the three that attack him on the way back are from like, if you remember in, in Empire Strikes Back, the other bounty hunters, there was a Bosque one. Mm-hmm. Those are Bosque, uh, other race of, uh, Bosk uh, was the one of the bounty hunters there. And so he heads back and he heads back to Mr. I have spoken. Oh, actually, no, they head all the way back to the ship. Jawas have stripped his ship. Um, he 
chases the Jawas. And in an amazing scene, Travis, it's probably the best action scene. Well, up till that point in The Mandalorian, what happens? Are you talking about when he's um, climbing up? Chasing the, the Jawas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like He chases down the, the Jawas transport and then he's climbing up the side of it, which was so cool it reminded me of something and i can never really put my finger on it but i love how like it's it's kind of this like big epic scene where he's climbing all the way up to the top and like he has succeeded and then suddenly they just shoot him and he falls off and it's all for nothing but he still chases after them and right and he falls off and somehow doesn't die which is another kind of moment where i'm like um Okay, it's Star Wars. I guess right. his back wouldn't break. And so there's just a lot of those moments where I'm like, all right, you know, I like you, Star Wars. We're friends. I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't. It, it was totally noticeable, but but whatever. So I'm going to I'm going to fast forward and just say that um, he gets his ship parts back. Um, and then, all well, there's a scene in the and that's kind of important where he's fighting uh, this really badass rhino thing. And because he needs to trade uh, the Jawas an egg for um, his parts for a ship. And uh, he's getting his ass kicked and he's about ready to get killed by this rhino thing. And baby Yoda whips up his little hand and basically uses the force to levitate this rhino uh, in an incredible moment, allowing the Mandalorian time to knife the rhino in the neck in a kill spot and drop it. So that causes baby Yoda to go to sleep. And basically the Mando takes baby Yoda up into space back to his planet. And then in episode three, um, he gives the baby Yoda back to the empire collects his reward, which is enough Beskar steel to make an entire suit of armor. Um, and this is the point where I like, I knew, I knew in my head He's baby Yoda is an integral part of the show, but the Mm -hmm. show does something in episode three that feels wrong where he gives baby Yoda back and he takes the steel and you're like, oh, fuck, what is happening? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the knife was twisting. I'm like, what is the Empire doing with this little Yoda guy? Um, And then after his suits made, he basically levels up to level 10 he heads off to collect another bounty, you know, just kind of wants to get out and he goes back. He can't he can't do it. He's uh, going to go save baby Yoda. Um, he does. Travis, uh, I got some questions for you about him saving baby Yoda. So the doctor mm-hmm. uses different genders to talk about baby Yoda. At one point, he says it's it's a her and then it's a him. Really? I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think so. So I'm curious, is that like a hint that? Yoda species might not be a gender or they can choose their own gender or it's not assigned um, at birth. I have no we don't idea. know a lot about Yoda species at all. In fact, we don't even know the name of it. George Lucas hasn't said what right. it is. Like we know that Yoda and Yaddle exist and Yoda is a male and Yaddle is a female. Right. Um, but yeah, I didn't catch that there were he used both pronouns. I didn't catch that. Yeah. And so he said the doctor's like, he's like, did you kill it or whatever? And the doctor's like, no, I I saved it. So, Travis, what is happening? What is the Empire doing with baby Yoda? Those sons of pictures. Well, because we have no idea. We don't. This is just us. However, the emblem on the guys like the scientists jacket is the same emblem on the arms of the clones on Kamino. Okay. So either the so either the doctor's a clone, the doctor is a clone, or they're trying to clone 
Yoda, Baby Yoda, or they have cloned Baby Yoda, and he's one of and the clones. And it's Yoda, right? That is, or Yoda all or of the above. Like it could be, it could be yeah. a clone of Yoda. It could be a clone of another member of his species. Who knows? Right, but, right. Um, of note, maybe of note at least is that he's fifty years old, and when this is set, Anakin would have been exactly fifty years old. So they were born slash created in the same year. If they're being if they're being exact with that and not saying, you know, he's about 50 years old, if it was exact, then there may be some sort of force juju going on there. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting time. I a timeline where it sort of lines up with Anakin and also are they cloning? Are they trying to clone mm-hmm. him or, or whatever? I, I don't know. And I think um, this could fit into. um Palpatine's plans. Like, uh, I, I, I think that Palpatine has been dabbling with clones before he died, before he quote unquote died. We know he's coming back in the rise of Skywalker, but I think he was in dabbling some way, with clones. Yeah. And I think that we're going to find out more about that in a month or so. So you think that the Mandalorian is tied to rise of Skywalker? I think it is. I think it is. I do not. I don't think it lines up timeline wise unless they wanted it to line up with the Mandalorian. And that's one of the reasons why they kicked Trevorrow out and J.J. Abrams figured out a way to link them together in some. But if it's a link, it's going to be real loose because oh, I don't think it's going to be like a direct link. I think like. I think that you know it could be something like this baby Yoda was part of a cloning program that the emperor was interested in. And also the dark ray that we see was part of a cloning program. Like, I don't think it's going to be a super direct link, but I see, I see. So they're going to have those cloning program things thematically. And then it's tied through. Yeah. I suppose that could actually be a thing. Um, you know, as you know, the star Wars has, you know, continuity folk that work at Luke's film that tile it together. That, yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. So I think the cloning thing seems likely whether or not it's a Yoda clone. I don't know. One of the things that's interesting is how do you, how do you make, how is baby Yoda impactful in the star Wars universe? And how is baby Yoda? If star Wars. Okay. So this is five years or something, seven years after return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi is something like 30 years to the Force Awakens, right? So Baby Yoda by then is 80, right? So, I don't know, a teenager or something, maybe. So, or a small infant, or I I don't know, could talk or something. Mm, So the question then is, why was Baby Yoda not involved in the Force Awakens in any way? You know what I mean? Um, It, you know, you know, the Mandalorian doesn't have to be. I'm just curious because they have to make this prequel stuff make sense, you know, and sure. Yeah. And they're like, at first they're like, oh, this is in the outer rim. It's just this far away junk. And that makes sense. But when you start putting force sensitive folk in the main timeline and then you do things in the force awakens, like the reason why Ray is as powerful as she is, is because the, the light and the dark have to balance. And so Ray gets a ton of powers because Luke was cutting himself off from the force and Ray gets Super ultra powerful to fight Kylo Ren in the first one. Then Kylo Ren gets shot in The Force Awakens. Therefore, she can sort of match him a little bit because he's weakened. Plus, she's super powerful because of the Force matching itself, right? It needs to balance, right? I, I, I think there's a little bit, a little literal 
on the meaning of what was going on there. But anyway, continue. Well, okay, but you could say that that's why, right? Yeah. Right, because you know, you know, the, the you know, the, you got you know, good, and then the light to match and that kind of thing, and the fa- the force likes being balanced and all that, and then but then you got this Yoda thing, you know, it seems pretty powerful, maybe. So so I don't know. I I just kind of wonder how that's going to fit in. However, um. That that could explain it. I, I don't think they're going to be tied together. I don't I don't know about cloning. Uh, that might take something. And if so, it would only be a JJ explanation, which is like, I have cloned you, Ray. Here is the perfected version. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're not getting shit for explanation of how that happened. You know what I mean? It's really just like now you must fight your dark self as a mini boss. Go to town. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's the shadow battle. <laughs> exactly. You got a shadow battle because it's got to be super on the nose uh, for the for the, you know, and then and then before you've not reached my final form or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's probably how I mean, I hope that's not it because that's super lame, but it could be fun if they did it right, I suppose. But um, and so uh, the Mandalorian grabs baby Yoda. Uh, he burns alive some stormtroopers, uses some whistling missiles to kill people gets out uh, it's an amazing action scene by the way uh really close quarters combat not a lot of stuff you see in a lot of star wars stuff so i, I was really appreciative of that and then uh the mandalorian uh takes baby yoda and um what happens is you mentioned that they're tracking the mandalorian all the bounty hunters um uh, tracking him i don't think that's actually what's happening i think it's something else happening. i think what what's happening is they reboot the uh, the pucks that all the bounty hunters had to track the asset. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Like it was the exact same thing they was using to track yeah. Baby Yoda mm-hmm. to begin with. Be, I, to be with, right? It seemed like he was he was on the table as well, though. Like it wasn't just a bounty for get back the asset. It was. It seemed like it was more personal, like not just not with the exception of Carl Weathers' character. It wasn't just like you know, give me the asset and you can leave. They were kind of out for blood and maybe that's just the, the cutthroat nature of it but well yeah. yeah i mean it's funny because you know bounty hunters talk about having a code but they sell they're literally doing human traffic sure you know what yeah. I mean? it's like we have a code it's like okay well all right it's fine um in a, in a galaxy of slavery and <laughs> like there's this scene in the in like the first episode i can't remember it's first or second episode where remember that guy in return of the jedi who's like whoa He's the little dude who sits with Jabba right, the Hutt. Yeah, um, they're like roasting. Yeah, salacious crumb. They've got one of those guys in a cage, and then in the He's background they're roasting a, one. Yeah, watching his his sibling or whatever be roasted a lot. Or that's that right. was so sad. Right, those are that sentient was, beings, like barely sentient, I guess. But I know Star Wars don't give a fuck no. if you if like you're a being where it's like I am, you know, a thing. People are like, yeah, but I could eat you too. So, you know, let's sell you and eat you. It's, it's, it's shocking. Some scenes where they're just like flipping over things you saw in Star Wars and now you're roasting them up. It's like, whoa, I wonder if, if, uh, and later in the Mandalorian, they're going to have some, like someone's going to eat a porg, you know, cause apparently according to Ryan Johnson, Chewbacca actually didn't eat that porg. Right. Cooked. Yeah. So, uh, is, is, uh, John Favreau going to eat a porg, everyone? <laughs> No, actually, I'm totally serious. Travis, do you think that they're going to John Favreau is going to have someone eat a pork? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, you know, they have already done battle droids. And by, by episode three, you see the scene where they're 
um, flashing back. Oh, to, that flashback was great. Yeah. So they flash back to the Mandos, you know, um, sort of as a kid and, you know, his parents trying to save him. And there are these battle droids and it's a really, really tense kind of intense scene. And it's got battle droids in it, which is like kind of the antithesis of scary. But the way they did it, they almost have this Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. Um, it was so like it's the, cool the, that, the big gray ones instead of the small yeah. orange ones. But yeah. Right. Right. I don't think you can make the Roger Roger guy scary, but they made, they made the big shit scary, which is which is pretty cool. So yeah, presumably um, that was on Mandalore, like before, uh, we before don't he know, left. But yeah. Like I would assume yeah. it would be since he is Mandalorian. But I, I kind of wonder if that's going to tie into the Siege of Mandalore, which is a Clone Wars story that we've only seen referenced because they never got around to filming it. But they're going to, well, I say filming, but animating it. Uh, that's something that's going to be done in the next series of clone wars coming out next year so like i kind of wonder if that was part of that siege of mandalore there's there was a lot of crazy shit going on on mandalore during the clone wars and i kind of wonder if you know he was down in that bunker and then the battle droid flips it up and points his gun down and i kind of wonder if yoda comes by and saves him at that point because right that would kind of explain why he's more attached to this bounty than the others he's had. Right. So here's a thought. The clone wars new season is going to tie into the Mandalorian show. I think that's more likely than rise of Skywalker. Yeah. There's that one. There's, there are three arcs they've talked about for the next clone wars season. And I think that's the siege of Mandalore is definitely going to be one of them. And it makes sense to tie that in. Right. And I think it might set up the Mandalorian's, Mm -hmm. you know, folk under the thing, you know what I mean? It might just set it up entirely. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, It would be fun if it did. I think it would make all the nerds super happy. Um, Yeah. So what happens is uh, he takes baby Yoda. All the bounty hunters are tracking him. And um, uh, Apollo Creed basically stops him on his way to a ship and is like, yo, hand over the asset. Maybe we'll talk um the the best mandalorian discussions are with blasters he exchanges fire <laughs> and he gets pinned down right away um i was like talking to my wife during this episode i'm like wow this would be a really great time for him to have a backpack a jetpack he doesn't have <laughs> one um apparently that was pretty uh prophetic because a bunch of his mandalorian buddies uh, break the only one can show their face at a time thing. And in this really amazing scene, a bunch of Mandalorians come and just shoot the shit out of everyone. It's pretty great. Save them, um, which is really cool. And they have jetpacks. So apparently the Mandalorian is like not an upgraded version. Apparently there's like levels of Mandalorian and mm-hmm. he's like level two and they're level 10. So, yeah, that was kind of neat to see. Like this guy's not the most powerful one. Which is kind of neat. You don't. You shouldn't probably give you know the main character all the stuff. So he takes Baby Yoda back to the ship, um, and they take off, and that's the end. That's the essentially. end. Essentially, um, and that felt like such a great end for a movie. Like I, I really do wonder if they're going to kind of pace this out as two movies or three movies because the way that third episode ended, it was just a perfect end for a movie. Right, and so you mentioned. Um, sort of Mr. I have spoken and that he mm-hmm. might be um, out of the show. I, I think the Mandalorian is heading right back to his house. Oh, you think so? I do actually. So it's funny because when he's in the show, he's kind of Yoda, but not Yoda, but sort of Yoda, but not force sensitive, obviously just kind of a nice old dude in space, you know? 
um, with some fun quirks and stuff. So my guess is he might head back there because where else is he going to go? Right. Um, the Mandos are obviously going to set up a, a new base somewhere, but yeah. he doesn't know where that is. Yep. He's getting the hell out of Dodge. Oh, and by the way, when he's when he's flying away, when the Mandalorian uh, in their jetpacks looks at him and like gives him a salute, which is kind of like <laughs> seen out of the Rocketeer or whatever. Yeah. One of the things I like about that scene with the Mando is he's like fighting against wind currents. You can see him moving around and like mm-hmm. wind is a thing. So I've never seen jetpack sci-fi anything guys fight against wind current even if you watch the rocketeer he's not really fighting against wind currents that much uh it's kind of blowing him around i was like wow that's a really <laughs> nice touch so. speaking of that scene and the rocketeer I, like i don't think anybody who's watched that and has seen the rocketeer didn't think about the rocketeer immediately when they saw that scene <laughs> which is cool because um i read this earlier today i didn't know this the guy who designed the boba fett armor is the same guy who designed the Rocketeer armor. And I kind of no. wonder if that was a nod. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, well, you know, frankly, there aren't a lot of um, jetpack movies <laughs> where characters have jetpacks. And the Rocketeer is just like, hey, let's, what if, what if uh, someone made a jetpack and Nazis? <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones with jetpacks, the Rocketeer. It's yeah. pretty great. Um so some cool bit of Star Wars trivia sort of show nonsense. They got a new director to direct every one of these episodes. Started off with Dave Filoni. And then I forget the dude that did the second episode and something Chow, Henry Chow or something like that. And then Deborah, or maybe it was Deborah Chow did the first episode. Anyways, she is going to be the director slash showrunner of the new Obi-Wan show. Mm-hmm. And her show was fantastic. So I could see where Kathleen Kennedy would want to put a ring on that. Totally. Yes. Um, so I'm really happy that they locked in Deborah Chow to do the Obi-Wan show. I think that's going to be fantastic. I think the third episode was just really great. Um, and here's my thought. Okay. So recently Kathleen Kennedy was asked, Hey, what's happening with star Wars after the rise of Skywalker? You got any movies in the pipe? She's like, no. Right. Okay, that's mm, I don't believe it. Okay, so <laughs> I think she's being cagey intentionally with that. Like, you know, they've yeah. got different stokes and different fires, just kind of seeing what what feels right. Yeah, uh, she probably doesn't want to commit to anything like they got a little bit burned on the Boba Fett thing where they t- had kind of leaked too much about it and people were talking about it forever and then they canned it. So they might be trying to avoid that. So she might have been just being vague intentionally there. Right. So I've heard some people extrapolate that it's entirely possible that John Favreau is going to be a big component of Star Wars moving forward. Right. Because we had the um, the Star Wars Thrones guys. They left because they got, you know, this Netflix deal for 200 million dollars and they wanted to go do that instead. And Star Wars is tough. And so they left. Um, as far as we know. Um, Ryan Johnson's on for a trilogy mm-hmm. still. Um, my guess is some people have postulated, and I think this is, sounds accurate based on how good the Mandalorian is, is John Favreau might actually be th- one of the future people of star Wars in that the Mandalorian might 
is going to continue on as a show. Netflix should keep making. I mean, sorry, Netflix. Uh, Netflix wishes it had the show. That'd yes, awesome. um, yes, it does. Uh, it probably does. It's like, dang, we should watch Star Wars, but it would cost a billion. Uh, it's maybe a little bit out of Netflix's reach, perhaps. But um, I think Disney is going to continue with this show, and I think John Favreau might be doing more Star Wars stuff, right? Because he, like, they sort of pioneered some, you know, three D stuff like filming special effects and using actual screens to do the backgrounds and that kind of thing for the show. And he might, you know, because of his work with um, CG and the, and the Lion King and then the jungle book before that, he actually knows quite a bit about that. So my guess is he might actually be doing star Wars films moving forward as well. So I just think like once they get rise of the Skywalker done, you're going to hear a lot more about the Mandalorian season two. And my guess is, Disney is probably going to double down more on Star Wars shows. Yes, I think there's that's a good thing too. like have some shows for a bit. Then that kind of makes the movies more special. Even if they stopped making Star Wars movies, I think that if it's going to be stuff like The Mandalorian, I'm okay with that. Sure. Yeah. Um, Now, they're never going to stop with the films, obviously, and I have questions about the future of Star Wars because it doesn't seem like I know of anything after Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And they're not talking about anything. They must be have they must have ideas, obviously, right? But if you look at all the new stuff besides Rise of Skywalker, it's Clone War show, Mandalorian, that's all the past, you know. So I'm wondering what they're gonna be doing moving forward. Anyways, so I think that you, we're gonna get a lot more Star Wars shows. And based on this, I'm I'm entirely supportive of that absolutely uh, I wonder if we're gonna get mandalorian movies we might get spinoff films from this i don't know uh, i wonder yeah and some people are wondering how obi-wan might tie into the mandalorian if it does travis you know way more about star wars timeline than i do it does the mandalorian show well obviously mm-hmm. obi-wan's around it's after return of the jedi so i don't know maybe maybe it might i don't know and some um, way, possibly. i mean he died in a new hope so Oh, I'm sorry. It absolutely will not. <laughs> Flashbacks, maybe, but. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Duh. <laughs> Everyone's coming for my Star Wars card. Apparently, I never have one. <laughs> and before we go to the review, I have something that I want to ask you if you spotted. Um. Okay, so this is, this is actually, a, I'm going to start further back than this. So in the first episode, Runner Herzog's character says, you know, if you complete this bounty, I have a Camtano of Beskar. And we like re- kept rewinding that scene. Like what the, what the hell is he saying? What is a Camtano? And then like, okay, well, it's a weird star Wars word. Big deal. Moving on. So when he gets the Camtano of Beskar, it is the same model of ice cream maker that the guy is running out in cloud city with did you spot that <laughs> no i did not i saw what they had that it was in obviously but i heard about it in a podcast where they were talking about this empire like empire strikes back ice cream maker. Yeah. i am not that big of a star wars fan <laughs> that i am a part of the running of the ice cream maker characters or whatever which apparently no, they do which is I, hilarious and awesome but like, no i had no idea uh, Katie kind of grew up making ice cream a lot 
And so we're watching that and she's like, funny. holy shit, that's an ice cream maker. And then we kind of looked at each <laughs> oh, other like, yes, it's like, that's the reason the guy was running out of an empire. Like he was protecting something. That's an important thing. So uh, then I was, listen, when you spend hours making your ice cream yeah. and you get it just so you got to yeah. run. I mean, you got to go with what's important. <laughs> so online later, I found like a description of why it was called a cam And this is weird. Like 2017, there was this viral video of this little girl who could not say the word ice cream. And whenever she was prompted to say ice cream, she said Camtono. So what he was saying is, I have an ice cream of Beskar for you. <laughs> so John Favreau loves. Oh, he absolutely does. loves the holiday special and yeah. all this Star Wars nerdy stuff. There are so many nods to the holiday special. Like, like we didn't the, even mention that they talk about Life Day in the yeah. first episode. Yeah, I think that's like the second mention of Life Day in canon, and it's pretty prominent. You know, I think it's the first time in visual yes. media that somebody's mentioned it. Yes, and, and uh, John Favreau is talking about how he could do the holiday special, right? Uh, and he wants to do a follow up to it. And and as far as I'm concerned, like you know, as long as you know, he wants to do Star Wars. They should throw him any project because they're it's so much fun. And he's the guy that did Elf. So he can do a holiday special. Um, So, yeah, he could make it fun and Star Wars and everything. Yeah. I mean, when we first heard about the Mandalorian, you might remember that I was kind of a bit cold on the idea of Favreau doing it because you know, I didn't want it to feel like an Iron Man in the star Wars universe. And yeah, I didn't give enough, which enough it kind of does, I guess I, I with mean, the rocket bit. packs, but yeah. not really, but a little bit, but yeah, I didn't give him enough credit. Like it's really clear how much he loves star Wars and he has done it justice. I think it's a very worthy entry into star Wars. Agreed. The Mandalorian more, please. All right, John, how would you rate The Mandalorian on the ghost scale? So I think I'd rate every episode a little different. But if I mean, we're talking about the first one, I I think it's rad, you know, probably maybe less than rad. Like I liked it until the end. You know what I mean? And then I was like, whoa, I'm in. And then every episode after that, I thought was uh, just so much better. And I think it just keeps getting better. I think in general, as part of a, like if we're viewing the first three episodes of a movie, I think it's a must watch, but that's, it's a must watch for all Star Wars fans. You've already seen it. You know what I mean? Um, I think I was a little cold on the first episode, frankly, in general, but I'm glad that we have a Star Wars that hits every Friday. My wife said, Friday is becoming Mandalorian day for us um, to watch it. And I love that. I I actually am really happy that we're kind of moving back to these shows that launch on a date so we can have this storytelling that everyone can move forward a little bit at a time. Yeah, it feels like as Travis and I are moving forward with the show, we're talking about it. Will and I are talking about the show. Um, and my wife and I are talking about the show and we're sort of postulating about it. It's not like this is the entire Mandalorian review. We would have watched them all by now if we could. Oh, yeah. This would have been reviewing the entire show. We were reviewing the first three episodes. I think that's neat. So I am more 
as far as I'm concerned right now, and I know this is going to sound strange, but if the rise of Skywalker is terrible, I don't care because I am convinced that the future of Star Wars is solid in the Mandalorian for me. Right. This is like we're going to get episodes of the Mandalorian all the way up to Rise of Skywalker and even after it's out. Right. So this show's not going to be done. <clears throat> it's going to be done after the Rise of Skywalker is launched, which is weird. <laughs> we're getting like Star Wars yeah. that happens with other Star Wars movies and stuff. And I mean, soon you're going to have Marvel films that have TV shows out at the same time and they're not all out and they got to. And I, I don't even know how they're going to make that web work. I, I bet they're going to figure it out, but that's going to be awesome. So I, I, I'm really, really excited about the future of Star Wars because we were, it was all film based and you had movies like Solo where I was like, you know, maybe I'm not so sure where the future of Star Wars is going, even though I like that movie a lot. Um, but now it's it's solidly in TV and it could just be in TV and I'd be totally happy with it. So The Mandalorian is a must play for me, must watch rather. Um, if you like Star Wars, you should watch it. Everyone who gets Disney Plus is going to see it. Uh, and I think it's really worth it. And uh, I'm I'm really hoping Favreau stays in the Star Wars verse. I'm really excited for the Obi-Wan show. Yeah, Mandalorian. Must watch. Absolutely. And I think I agree with you on your episode ratings, like when you were doing them individually, like with the first one being a rat and then episode two and three being must watches. But overall, if you take those as a whole, like one chunk to review, I'd say it's a must watch easily. Um, you know, obviously withholding judgment on the whole season. The rest of them could suck somehow. I doubt that's the case. But so far, what I'm seeing is um, absolute must watch. Um, I think that this is, like you said, kind of a new paradigm shift for Star Wars. Um, The canon has been kind of enriched in a way since the Lucasfilm buyout. Well, before that, when they did the Legends switch and everything since that they they moved all the non-canon stuff out to legends everything since has been like one canon and it's been kind of cool to see all the little bits adding on to it and i feel like this is the first time that they are making as huge an impact with a non-movie um, entry into the canon because you know quite frankly there's not a lot of people who are reading these Star Wars books and comics and stuff like that but there's a lot of people who will watch the Mandalorian so it's great to see the canon growing it's you know I, I will consume just about anything Star Wars you can throw at me and so I'm a little bit biased on this I might not have the clearest view of it but for me it is just a joy to watch and yeah absolutely if you've listened this far, you've probably already seen it. But if you haven't, watch it. You must watch it. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show, and thanks for listening.